This is a Saddleback Church podcast. I worked at a Christian bookstore a number of years ago. I remember the back wall lined with shelves and shelves of Bibles. Bibles of all kinds. And this image reminds me of perhaps one of the most common questions I hear about the Bible from from both Christians and non-believers alike. Why are there so many translations of the Bible? BibleGateway.com has 62 Bible translations or versions available in their system. And just the other day, I was at a bookstore, not a Christian bookstore, and uh, I saw a couple who were staring at the Bibles in this bookstore, just standing there, staring at the Bibles, wondering which to choose. So today... I turned to Pastor Tom Holliday to talk all things Bible translations. Tom was a a teaching pastor at Saddleback Church for over 20 years and is the author of a number of books and small group studies, including Foundations, which explores in part the doctrine of the Bible. Tom has been on this podcast a number of times over the years, and I'm thrilled to have him on again to talk about why we have so many Bible translations, how Bible translations get produced, and how you can find the Bible that suits you. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Tom Holliday. Tom, great to have you back on Doable oh, Discipleship. Oh, it is great to be back. Thank you, Jason. Of, of course. So I wanted to uh, start today by talking about what's probably I, one of the most que- asked questions about Bibles and Bible translations, but about yes. Bibles in particular, right? Why are there so many of them, <laughs> right? You, one would think you just take what was written a long time ago, in translated in English, and there you go. There's your Bible. So yes. why do we have so many Bibles? Well, a translation is a translation into the language of the day. Mm-hmm. And so anytime the language of the day changes, the way we use that language, then you need a new translation. And so I think it's great that we have a lot of translations because uh, actually words and meaning even from the 1970s are different than now. Sure. So that's one reason. Mm. Uh, here's the hidden secret. Uh-huh. The number one selling Christian book always is a Bible. Yeah. So if I'm in a publishing house, <laughs> I sort of need a Bible. I want my if, Bible. If I'm not, <laughs> if I don't have one, I'm not going to make it. Let's just be honest. <laughs> and there's enough market out there for it that, sure. uh, that yeah, there's lots of Bibles out there. Yeah. So I, 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 I was doing a, a touch of research in front of this episode, and I went onto Bible Gateway, and I saw that they had 62 different Bible options yes. that people can choose from. Right. So I, I'm curious as to like, I'm thinking of the person, well, I'm thinking of the person I mentioned in my intro who is standing in front of the bookshelves and they yes. see all these different types of Bibles. So can you help to just walk through some questions that people should be asking about the different type of Bible yes. maybe that suits yeah. them Yeah. So best? if you're choosing a Bible for yourself or maybe for somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, I think... Th- 
I think the first question that we have on our minds may not be the most important question. Mm -hmm. The first question we have on our minds is what translation should it be? NIV, NLT, ESV. What? what we should just it do be? alphabet yes, soup right here. Yeah. yeah right? And that's an important question that we're going to get to later. But I think there's an even more important set of questions, mm. and that is, what Bible am I going to read without being distracted? Mm. So. Honestly, before you talk about which translation, I think you should think about, do I read it on my phone or do I need a hard copy? Is mm. that best for me to read? Yeah. Uh, should I get a study Bible or should I get a Bible without study notes in it? And here's why that's important. Uh, whenever you sit down to read the Bible, you want to interact with the Lord and let him speak to your heart. Mm. Not, it's not a commentary time. Where you're, you're looking at what other people thought or said about the Bible. What does God have to say to me yeah. today? And so you want to get all the distractions out of the way in order to do that. Well, even though it's free on your phone, <laughs> the truth is your phone is a distraction machine, right? <laughs> I mean, it is made to distract yes, you. Yes, it's built and, that way. And yeah. Satan, the evil one, will make sure that a text comes through at just the moment <laughs> the Holy Spirit wanted to entirely change your life. It's not even the important <laughs> text. It's the one that's reminding you of the sale at the store, and you're like, oh, well, exactly now i got to right. go to the store. Exactly right. Or it's, no, it's probably a spam text. Oh, that's if probably, it's from the evil one, because <laughs> those are connected. There's no... You know. I, I'm doing some polling research. Could you please respond to this? Yeah, right. And so um, I, I don't think for most of us that uh, the phone is the best place to read for devotional reading, letting yeah. the Lord speak to me on a daily basis. It can be a great place to be able to do a quick reference yes. or to pull up something, or you may even subscribe to like a verse of the day or devotional type oh, thing. A, you can, you but, can definitely interact and you can turn off all, yeah. you can put your, your phone in airplane mode or mm -hmm. whatever while you read. So there's ways that people can do it. And yeah. if that works for you, fantastic. It's just hard to remember to do that. It does not work uh, for me, but I, but, but for some people, I understand maybe it does. <laughs> yeah. So that's one option. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a great option because there are, you can, it's, it's the easiest way to get multiple translations is on your phone or on a, on a tablet. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. And you mentioned the difference between a study Bible and one without study notes. Could you unpack so, that a little bit? Yeah. So a lot of Bibles will have down at the bottom some commentary mm -hmm. of how this applies to your life, or maybe even some commentary of what this meant to the Galatians or the Romans, the people that it was first written to. And so it's sort of mixing commentary and Bible, yeah. which can be helpful for your understanding, because sometimes you read something and go, I don't have any idea what that means. Uh, and so I would say it can be good for a lot of people to have a study Bible, but again, for many people it's distracting because <laughs> what you find is you end up reading the notes at the bottom rather than the Bible primarily. Mm. And so for a lot of people, it's good to have a, a Bible without study notes that you read for devotional life. And then you can go online and go to something like gotquestions.com, which yeah. is a great place to go to get answers mm -hmm. for something you didn't understand in the Bible. And you go and you look there and you go, oh, now I understand it. But first you let the Lord speak to you. And what you'll find out many times is, wow, the Lord helped me to understand it before I read what somebody else said about it. Yeah. He put that into my own heart. Well, I want you to have that experience as you're studying the Bible, hmm. not always having somebody speak over your shoulder. So there's just something about that that I think is important. So a study Bible may not may be on your shelf that you look at later or yeah. you, you study online. Uh, but I think it's good to have a Bible without study notes in it for your devotional reading. I think what I've seen, too, has become a little bit more popular are 
are Bibles that take out the chapter and verse numbers. It's just yes. a read through Which Bible. are not inspired, by the way. Right? <laughs> no, no, you no. Know, I have to tell you this, but John 3.16, the numbers are not inspired. <laughs> exactly. That's hurtful to many of our hearts because <laughs> like, we love sec- those numbers so much. <laughs> exactly. But they were just put in later as references. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've seen this interesting trend, which is that it's people are encouraged to just read for that depth as opposed to I'm just going to read a chapter or this number of verses but instead you just kind of keep reading because there yes. are no chapter yes. numbers or and verse that can numbers. be a good way to do it too yeah now I, uh, I so uh, everything I've said sort of heads you toward going and buying a bible a hard copy mm-hmm. I actually don't like reading from a hard copy that much reason is I always forget where I put my Bible in the morning. I can't tell you how many quiet times, like, where did I put my Bible? And I can't find it. And 20 minutes later, I finally find it. So and it's it's just been helpful to me because I can actually get distracted by having the whole uh, book in my hand. Ah, okay. So I will, I'll go in and I'll, I'll paste out on my computer. Mm-hmm. I know a computer can be a distraction machine too, <laughs> but because I'm a writer, I've got my computer set up so it doesn't have any distractions. Yeah. It doesn't send texts or... It's basically it, an air-gapped it, computer. It, it, uh, well, it not connects. quite air-gapped, but uh, it, it doesn't distract me unless I want it to. So, so I'll take out what section I want to read and paste it into where I'm doing my devotional notes. Mm. And then every day I have the, the verses I'm reading from whatever uh, version I happen to be reading it from at the time, and then I can write my notes underneath. So you might want to try that way. But I think for most people, yeah. what you're going to do is you're going to go out and buy hard copy Bible, yeah, uh, and you're going to use that for your devotions each morning. Yeah, so I think I think that's those. That's a great first question: is is what type of Bible do you need, or access to the Bible do you need that will help you not be distracted? That will help you just yes. read the Bible, engage with God's yes. Word. So asking those questions of: is it on your phone or a tablet or a computer, or is it a a physical book? It could be a hardback or. or Yes. back or whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, Jason, you've done it enough. In our 201 class, we talk about, in a quiet time, all the problems. Yes. And and one of the problems is the problem of distraction. Mm-hmm. The other is the problem of discipline. Yeah. You know, am I going to actually do this? Yeah. You know, so you want to get all the distractions out of the way. And with the problem of discipline, you may remember in 201, we give people the advice, you know, a simple thing you can do is the night before, if you're having your devotions mm-hmm. in the morning, you actually open your Bible to where you're going to be reading, and you put it like on your desk or bedside or uh, by your chair, wherever you happen to read. You yep. put it there open. You're saying, I've made the decision in advance that I'm going to do this, and there's something about that that draws you in mm-hmm. in a powerful way. I know we're so- supposed to be talking about no, uh, uh, translations. No, we are setting the stage. And here I am <laughs> talking about quiet time. I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it just it's flows. the reason for the... <laughs> Why choose a translation if you're not going to spend devotional time with the Lord in it? Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the truth. So the whole purpose of the ch- translation you're choosing, you start there. And that is, it's for my relationship with the Lord. I'm sitting and I'm spending time with him. Mm. And this is the book I'm going to be reading, letting him, him speak to me. Well, yeah, it's, it's a great encouragement, and it sets the stage for everything else we're going to be talking about. Yes. Because uh, I, I know that there are still questions that you have at— who are listening about, okay, that's that that's great. So now I'm in front of the shelves. How do I know what to choose or what works for me? So could we talk a little bit about these different types of translations, you know, and and help people understand a little bit what's the difference between like a, a word-for-word translation versus a thought-for-thought, you know. Yes. I, I know there's a 
a spectrum. Could you help people navigate yes. the spectrum? A so little we're, we're going to start talking about translations now. Some of you, you're on your way to work. <laughs> you just drove into the parking lot. You're about to get out. And now you so just can't wait. You're I'm, closing that door again, being like, I want to hear no, this. I'm, I'm just giving you the answer. I'm going to give you the answer, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about this. Just go get a New Living Translation, okay? There you you'll go. be okay. It's a wonderful translation. It's the one I first recommend to people most of the time. I'm also an NLT guy, so, I, I, so, I, I'm, be- so I'm behind so it. So now, <laughs> if you want to... If you don't want the in-depth stuff, you can just turn this podcast off right now, all right? <laughs> but if you want to know a little bit more about why I said to choose a New Living Translation, yeah. or maybe why you particularly, you might be different. You might want a different translation. Now we're going to dig in, and you can uh, and you can listen some more. And what we were talking about, Jason, is uh, in, in obviously the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, mm-hmm. a little bit of Aramaic in the uh, Old Testament, and in Greek— in the New Testament. And it's important to remember it was written in Koine Greek, which mm. means Greek of the common language. They yeah. had a like a high highbrow Greek and a common language Greek. It was written in the common language of common people, mm. uh, that kind of Greek. So what we're reading is a translation mm-hmm. of those. And in that translation, obviously a different language like Greek, the word order is even different. Yeah. If any of you who speak Spanish know how different the word order is in Spanish than it is in, than it is in English. Yeah. So you can't take a Spanish sentence and just translate it straight into English. It would be it would be not make sense. No, it'd be gibberish, yeah. So in translation, uh, when you talk about word for word or thought for thought, the, the technical terms for that are formal equivalence or dynamic equivalence. Mm-hmm. You guys really want to know, man? You are getting into <laughs> no. This now. is good. This is what we do. This is know? what doable discipleship <laughs> listeners yes, are asking. Yes. <laughs> so f- formal equivalence is just totally word for word, which no translation is just word for word. It wouldn't make any sense no. to us because the Greek language word order is entirely different than English. Just like any language word order is different. Yeah. Uh, thought for thought is more. You're trying to do a more of a dynamic idea behind. Uh, not just what's the word order, but how do you put it together so that it makes the same meaning, mm-hmm. not the same sentence structure, but the same meaning as it had to uh, the original readers yeah. out of the original translation. And so when you look at different translations, they will lean one direction or another. They're all, that most of them will say we try to land in the, in the, in the middle, middle. <laughs> but they will lean one direction or another. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about that... Yeah. It might be important just to mention that there's a difference between a translation and a paraphrase. Well, I was going to ask that, so this is a good so, yeah, it's a so, good time so for that. Yeah, and I think it's good to have that in mind before you start talking about translations and their differences, mm-hmm. because a paraphrase is just one person who has sat down, and they usually know the languages, the ancient languages. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't, but most of the time they do. And out of that, they do their own translation. And you, you're welcome to do that. Yeah, any of us can go and learn Greek. And we can share with our family and friends, here's my thought about how I would say this verse. Mm. Uh, Now, we may not be as expert as the translators, though, who (laughs) translate for us. And so when you come to a translation, it's usually a hundred or so scholars of these ancient languages. Big undertaking. Who have gotten together and agreed on a translation. Mm. And so a paraphrase oftentimes can be very focused on personal meaning to that person Mm -hmm. for our time. Yeah. Which can be very helpful. 
very helpful in understanding the Bible, but it is not a translation of the words of the exact words of the Bible. Yeah. So if you've ever had the experience, and maybe you have, where you, like you're reading the message is a paraphrase. That's, That's probably one of the most it's well-known a wonderful ones, paraphrase. Yeah. But you read something in the, me- in the message, and you go, "Is that what the Bible really says?" And you go, <laughs> and, you go and get an NIV, like, and you open it up, and you go, "Yeah, that's what it says." Or well, he added he it's added a little, little bit of his own kimchi <laughs> to that one, right? Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's a paraphrase can be helpful. Yeah. In in it's like another person, a friend, a, a fellow believer, a follower of Christ sitting down with you and saying, This is my experience of the word. Mm. And that sort of soaks into your soul and it helps you in your understanding of the Bible. Yeah. To see some things. For instance, Eugene Peterson in in the message, one of the things he attempted to do, a very hard thing to do, was to change the idioms mm. from Old Testament like the the you know uh, things like the eye of a camel in the Bible and sure. those kinds of things. The eye of a camel. You understand <laughs> what I mean? Uh, he tried to put those into English meanings uh, because to us, every one of those have to be explained. Yeah, Idioms from 2,000 years ago all have to be explained to us mm-hmm. today. So he tried to put those into English meanings. So that's why it will read very differently many times. So... A paraphrase can be good. New, uh, uh, Living Bible was a paraphrase. Before mm-hmm. that, Phillips translation was a wonderful paraphrase of a previous generation. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good paraphrases out there. But you have to understand it's not, it doesn't carry the same weight as a translation with 100 scholars behind yeah. it. And everybody who does a paraphrase knows that. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it just to help your devotional faith. It serves a purpose. Yes. It serves its a purpose to purpose. just go in and help you maybe see things in a different light or understand Yeah, and maybe if you've been reading a long time and when when translation in your in your quiet time, you switch over to the message to do the book of Galatians. And it, it can really refresh your quiet time many times mm. to do that. I'd strongly recommend that. You mentioned the groups of hundred scholars who work on a translation yes. of the Bible, like an NIV or like an NLT. Yes. Could you shed a little bit of light? Because what and help people to understand that what does not happen, for example, is these scholars don't go to the King James or to a different to an English translation and then just take that translation and translate off of that, right? Yes. Is they go back to the languages. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, the one of the great urban legends that's out there about the Bible is you can't trust the Bible because it's been translated so many times down through the generations. You know, yeah. it went from Latin to German, that is from just German all different. to English, and from English to this new translation. And every, it's like p- playing, uh, like, telephone, yeah. that old game where you whisper in somebody's ear and it changes its meaning by the time you get around the room. That's not the way that translators translate. Yeah. Translators go back to the original documents, and they translate from that. Now, some people will say to you, oh, well, you can't trust it because we don't really have the very original writing of Paul. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that. I, I think, by the way, the reason we don't have it is because we'd worship it. Mm-hmm. We, we put it in a box somewhere and we would worship it. Mm. And we're not supposed to worship the penship yeah, the of yeah. Paul. <laughs> we're supposed to worship the Lord. And it's the Spirit who wrote these words. But what we do have is thousands upon thousands of copies of these. Yeah. So if, you, uh, if somebody says, well, I don't have what the person originally wrote in their letter, but we made 100 Xerox copies of it, and here <laughs> they are, and they all matched each other, you would know what the person said in the original. Yeah. And there are actually, like, um, atheists write books, and they say you can't trust the Bible because it doesn't have the original. Uh, but they're actually saying you couldn't trust any history then yeah. because the historicity of what's in the Bible 
is tr- tremendously, <laughs> tre- I mean, a thousandfold yeah. more more refined and strengthened than the history of any other uh, documents from that age. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's how they translate. They go back, and then they're also experts in the language. Mm-hmm. So they're experts in the documents that they're going through, and they're also experts in Hebrew, and they're experts in, in uh, ancient Greek. And because of that, they're able to agree together on a translation that helps us to understand what it means for us today. Could you speak a little bit to, I think it it goes back to something that you mentioned earlier about the common language, about making things make sense if you're writing for the language of today. But there are a, a number of translations, NIV, NLT, as such, that create updated versions. So, you know... Famous example is there was the 1984 NIV that was so standard yes. in American churches yes. for two decades until the 2011 NIV came yes. out. And, they, and then they come out and say, we don't want you using that 84 NIV anymore. We want you to only use the, you know, a 2011. So could you speak a little bit to why a translation company? Uh, well, some like, of it is publishing, just to be honest with you. They want the if, new if version out read, there. I mean, I read a lot of, of both of those versions, and there's not many differences. Yeah. Very few differences. Uh, and so because of that, they would rather have you buy a new translation. Sure. Now, the biggest difference is that they, cho- they chose to choose where it just says brothers. Yeah. It says brothers and sisters. Yeah. And some people agree with that, and don't, some others don't agree with that. I understand in the language of that day that when they said brothers, they meant the whole church. They were talking to the church. They were talking to everybody. Yeah. Just like when we say mankind, we, both, we mean yeah. both men and women. Sure. And in our language today, when we say brothers, we don't really mean most of the time both just, men and women. Yeah, yeah. And so I do understand the reason for the changes in that. Because I don't believe any of the books of the New Testament were written just to men. No. I believe all of them were written to both men and women. And yeah. I think we all believe that. Yeah. And so I think they are, uh, they're, they're trying to go with changes in the language to help us to understand that. I understand there's controversy about that with some people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can talk about that in another podcast. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yes. Uh, so uh, when you think about these different translations, I think, so just to get out of my soapbox for a minute Please. about this. So you're going to, so I'm, I'm talking to those of you who are thinking, okay, I got, I'm going to choose a translation to read from. Which one is the best for me? Yes. I really think that's a pl- good place to start with all of these questions. Mm-hmm. So it's not just some ethereal stuff about translators and which one's the best for me? Yeah. And is it more dynamic equivalent or formal equivalent? Word for word or thought for thought? And so here's where I'd start. Read some of these translations. Mm-hmm. And find out which one do you understand the most clearly? Which one speaks to your heart the most clearly? And that's the one that's most likely going to be the best for you. Mm. I, here's the soapbox part of this. I have found some people that when they're looking for a Bible translation, they actually look for a translation that's harder to understand. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of call it the King James disease. Yes. Because we grew up with something that was hard to understand. And by the way, pastors, especially preaching pastors, we love this. Because <laughs> if it's hard to understand, it gives me something to explain. Yeah. I mean, there's 15 minutes of my sermon right there. I get to explain what this means. And I look smart, and you know, you think I'm smart because I know the Bible. There's a whole history of the Catholic <laughs> Church keeping it in Latin for that very reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little chained. You know, it's still a little chained because of that. But we also do this personally sometimes, if we're honest. Hmm. If you pick up a Bible translation and it just seems clear and simple, you think, 
oh, that, that can't be right. It has to be more complicated than that because it's the Bible. Mm. And there's something in the back of our minds that's telling us it has to be complicated. When it was written in Koine Greek, it was written not to be complicated. It was written to make things clear. Yeah. And so the clarity of the Bible, and it's speaking to your heart as you read a translation like New Living Translation, mm-hmm. is going to tell you which one to choose. Now, if you're more of a scholar and a real student of the Bible and the words, then you might want to think through, well, maybe I need a translation more like that leads maybe more like NIV or maybe mm-hmm. more even more like ESV yeah. that is more goes after the original word order. But um, as, I, you know, as I read something like ESV, they go far enough after the original word order that it does make it harder to understand. It can, yeah. It does make it harder to understand. It does mean more study when that study may not be needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to give you an example. You want to go really in-depth? Yes. A little bit? Uh, I think one example of this is the word flesh in the New Testament. Okay. Which the word sarx, the, the Greek word uh, flesh, can mean two things. Mm-hmm. It can mean our physical flesh, our physical body, but it can also mean our sinful nature. Yeah. We have words like that in English that can mean two things, like the word squash. <laughs> you know, you know, squash can be I scrunched a bug under my thumb, yeah. or it can mean something I ate off of my plate, uh-huh. or, or it could be a game. <laughs> it can be a game that I play. But because we are English speakers, yeah, we know by context which of those things that it means. I'll tell you, it's really hard to teach my six-year-old the difference between all these things. He's like, what is happening? (laughs) It's the hardest thing to learn in a language. Homonyms are the hardest thing Mm -hmm. to learn in a language. There's no doubt about it. So when I'm I'm doing that in my own language, it can be difficult. If I'm trying to figure it out in a different language, it can really be confusing sometimes. It takes a good amount of study. Mm. So if I'm reading Romans 8 and it's talking about flesh... And it talks about the flesh of Jesus in there, but also the sinful flesh in us. Yeah. Uh, some translators just translate it flesh all the way through mm. and say, you got to sort it out. <laughs> Others say flesh and sinful nature. Yeah. And uh, you have to decide which kind of Bible do I want? Do mm. I want one that tells me these things? Uh, because it is, a, it is a valid translation to translate fr- flesh as sinful nature and not just the word flesh yeah. all the way through. Uh, one of the reasons we lean towards flesh all the way through is because that's what King James did. And we all have a little <laughs> bit of King James-itis in us that we have to watch for. Uh, and so, uh, but if you are one who wants to know that it's the same word, that's good. But I, I will tell you, there's a lot of things you don't see in the New Testament. There's many times the Apostle Paul uses word play, where he uses words that sound like each other in Greek. We don't see that sure. in English. The only way you're going to see it is by reading it in a, well, if you read Greek, in you're going to yeah. see it if you want to go that far. But you can read it in a commentary, and that's interesting. Mm. But the fact that it was word play, it, it means nothing to what God wants to say to my heart yeah. in that. It's just that Paul liked language and loved to speak in that way. So I, I would say, as you're thinking about the Bible, if you're a person who really wants to know, and every time you read the Bible, even in your devotional life, uh, wants the word flesh to say flesh every time, and then you have to sort it out, then you need to get more of a uh, formal equivalent Bible. But if you're somebody who says, I would love it to say, <laughs> well, let, let, me just, let me just give you a, I, mean, I think we've got to be practical. Here. Yeah. So, so here's Romans, I mean, just a little part from Romans chapter 8, okay? Romans 8 in, um, let's go from, 
Well, let's go from ESV first, okay? I'm not going to read all of Romans 8 from ESV. <laughs> Is that okay? Okay, just for starting in verse 2. For, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, and he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So if you read the same thing that I just read in, uh, let's do it in NLT. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. In that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Well, it's, it's a lot easier for me to read the second one. I was trying <laughs> to read the first one really well, yeah. but it's not natural English word order. Yeah. The second one is in natural English word order, and it also translates flesh differently. Mm-hmm. And I think for most people, that's, that's the Bible that you're probably going to be looking for. Yeah, so it, it's a great reminder. And there are resources out there. I'll find some, and I'll put them in the show notes for this, that compares different translations or compares different areas of the spectrum. And, and you can do exactly what Tom just did with Romans 8, where he reads it in different ways, and you can read the verses and just see how it sounds to you. And you're yes. like, oh, I would like to read more of this one. <laughs> yes. Now, if you're really astute, you probably noticed in that second one I read from NLT, mm-hmm. it, it really leans in the, in the, with dynamic equivalence. And yeah. so there's a little bit of a paraphrase feel mm-hmm. every once in a while to NLT, yeah. where they add enough words to help you to understand what the original Greek word meant uh, to, to go, oh, well, it's not all, it, there's something added there. There's a little to help extra. Me. There's a little tiny bit of commentary. Yeah. Now, the Living Bible, which preceded the NLT, yeah. You know, the, the, the Living Bible was a paraphrase, and then New Living was a translation that came, sort of came out of that mm-hmm. paraphrase. Uh, it had a lot more of that, obviously, because it was a paraphrase. And so that's the thing you have to think through as you read the Bible. And it's also a good reason to have multiple translations yeah. that you read through sometimes. I'm actually reading through right now. I'm, doing, uh, I'm reading through Galatians in my quiet time right uh-huh. now. And I've been reading through something called New Century. Yes, version. then CV, yes. Yeah. Well, it, you, it actually originally was the International Children's Bible. It yes. Was, yes. Yeah, and then CV, yeah. it was written in a, in a like a fourth, third, fourth grade reading level. But then they retranslated it uh, with its simplicity into more of an adult, a sixth, eighth grade reading level. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I love about it is it's just very simple and clear. Mm. It, it, it doesn't add a lot of, uh, you know, it's just simple and clear to what the scripture, I believe, says. Mm. And so I thought, well, I, th- I think I'd like to read through Galatians, which can be something that uh, makes you scratch your head a little bit sometimes, because <laughs> uh, there's a lot about the law and the law being our tutor. Sure. Go read Galatians, you'll understand. <laughs> uh, and it's been, it's been a wonderful translation to read in. And mm. so you might have your main translation, but then you read another translation sometimes. Well, and there's also things called... Parallel Bibles, yes. which which come with either two, three, or four usually translations all together in one Bible. So you can open it up, and you see Galatians five, and you see it in four different translations on one page, and you can read through 
Yeah, I, I hate those. One. I hate those. <laughs> I have one big one at home. There's the reason. That has you just four said why I hate them. They're big. Big. They're, they're big. They're and very heavy. Reason, look at me. I'm older now. <laughs> it's right? very small. The print, print. <laughs> is teeny tiny in those things. I know so. you. I knew where you're going with it. There, and and that's the thing too. Especially if you go to a bookstore or a Christian bookstore and you see is it's not just all the translations and it's not just study Bibles or not, but there's also Every type of Bible that you would want. There's the thin line reference Bibles. There are just the thin line non-reference Bibles, and all the thin line means is they make the is, is yes, they make the columns yes. smaller. And then there's uh you know there's there's the big font Bibles, the, the large print. There's tiny print. So there's the small pocket Bibles. So they have probably one for every every occasion <laughs> under the sun you could hope for. So so here's an early Saddleback story, <laughs> to my embarrassment. Early on at Saddleback, a, a Bible bookstore contacted us and said, we have like, we ordered too much of this Bible. Mm-hmm. It's a good translation. It was a good translation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll make you like a super deal on it, like 90% off. <laughs> and I went in, I, I looked at the copy of it, and that was a nice looking Bible. It had a nice cover. Yeah. You know, I said, and I knew the translation already, so I was good with it. So I said, I, I was the I was the pastor of discipleship yep. then of spiritual maturity. So I said, let's do it. So we bought all the, like, I don't know, 8,000, 10,000 <laughs> of these go. and got them all ready. And people, st- we started handing them out and, they ha- and people started coming to me saying, you know, the print in this is uh, is pretty small. <laughs> so then I opened, I hadn't really looked. I opened it up and it's like six point type in this yeah. thing. Now, luckily, Saddleback Church was a lot younger then. So most of us could see it. It might not have been as well. But it was a major error not to open it up and actually look at it. Now, Pastor Rick, he was kind to me. He said, you know, it may be six point type. It's still God's word. It's still and, God's you know, word. He could have he said, Tom, what in the world what are, are you, you doing? doing? But it's still God's word, whatever point type it is. There is a reason that you... You often find the magnifying glasses sold in the same section as the Bibles, and it is uh, well. And maybe it's why I read on my computer now because it's lighted make, for me, and I can make it as big as, as I want, want to. <laughs> but I, I love that, and and as you say, because you started out our conversation by saying, if you don't have time to listen to the full in-depth stuff, get an NLT. You start with there, and and that encouragement comes from it's it's a little more. Uh, on the dynamic side, it yes. does a little bit more of the work for you instead of you having to like think through is this, what is this word meaning in this given situation? It kind of tells you a little bit more of that. And it's very and, readable. And by work, uh, you mean the work of translation. Yes, 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 the work of translation. Uh, there is still work to understand what this means for my life yes. and to apply it to my life. But my deep belief is when you're reading the scripture, there are some times when you have to think through, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And, and figure that out a little bit. But most of the time, what you should be thinking is, how do I do this? Yeah. What is it, how, what's supposed to change in me? And if I'm always getting caught up in what does this mean, this is not the right translation for devotional reading. Mm. I need to be reading in something where God's challenging my heart to say, uh, well, in what we just read, you need not the law, some rules and regulations to make yourself better, you need what only Christ could do on the cross. He gave himself in sinful flesh yeah. so that we could be forgiven, so that we could live by the Spirit and not by the flesh, not by the sinful nature, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, we're sticking with the NLT-ness of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as you mentioned earlier, and I, I just wanted to mention again, because there are people out there who, for some reason, they grew up believing or came to a point where they believe that the only valid translation is the King James one and what you called the King James-itis. 
of it. So if you hear somebody who is giving you or somebody else or a church a hard time because you're not using the King James version in your pews, you know, it's okay to say, oh, it seems like you're suffering from some King James-itis. Let's talk about this. <laughs> yes, it was a great translation for its time. Or maybe we should say it was a great translation for Shakespeare. Yes. Uh, and if you can understand Shakespeare, great. Go get a King James Bible. But most of us, Shakespeare is a little bit difficult. And there is some truth <laughs> to the idea that it could be easier sometimes to memorize in a in a language that sounds different, like a King James language. Um well, memorization, it is easier to langu- memorize something that's not in your natural word order. Yeah. So that's why it's easier ESV. to memorize poems, poems. than just a, than prose. So Shondell, my wife and I, memorized quite a bit of the Bible while yeah. we were in college, and we memorized it from the uh, New American Standard Bible, Okay. which, which also leans strongly toward formal equivalence. Mm-hmm. It does not have, it has more of a Greek word order whenever it can, which made it easier to memorize. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do that on purpose. It was just that then it was <laughs> that or revised standard version or living Bible. That was it. That was yeah. it. Or King James. There weren't <laughs> a lot of choices then. <laughs> that is very true. Well, Tom, it, I, this has been such a helpful primer for people to help them understand Bible translations and knowing that it's not like there are some nefarious groups of people out there who are just putting in uh, translations that have been translated, 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 just to make the Bible say what they wanted to say. Right. Um, but these are, you know, these are honest groups of people who are doing what they can to try to get the Bible from the Hebrew, from the Aramaic, from the Greek, and to put it into language that people read and understand and talk about today. Yes. Um, and and the fact is, that there are multiple copies there, ancient copies they're working from, is not a reason for concern. Yeah. It's a reason to know we have accuracy with the Bible. Yes. And there's not a translation that is better or right or wrong. The question is, is what you're asking is, what translation do you see yourself spending time with? Yes. Um, and so that's why it's so important to just explore some different ones. And maybe, maybe you grew up having only an NIV in your house, the whole, you know, it, it, it was your pew Bible that you grew up with. Yes. It's the one that you've grown accustomed to. and But it's okay, and it's encouraged to read some different translations and see if there's someone that one that speaks to you in a season. There are people who go through the Bible and use a different translation in different seasons that they're in, and yes. that's helpful too. You know, this is a sort of an aside, but it's just sort of a little thing at Saddleback, yeah. and it's still true. Uh, all through the years, Andy and Stacy still do the same things. Mm-hmm. We use multiple translations on the weekend, mm-hmm. and people have questions about that. They think you should only use one translation. Now, oftentimes it's King James if yes. they think only one. <laughs> but uh, why why use multiple translations? And one of the reasons is to have more time to talk about what the Bible means to our heart. Mm-hmm. For instance, you're you're doing some uh, verse from the New Testament uh, where. Uh, it's talking about peace. And maybe the translation that you usually use doesn't use the word peace. It says calm or it says some mm-hmm. other word. By using a different translation, I mean, we've all studied enough Greek and Hebrew. We're not experts, but we had to have three, four, five years of it, mm-hmm. all of us, in order to do this. So we've got some in our background. <laughs> uh, we, we studied enough of it to be able to look up words and know what those word meanings are. And so by using a translation that just uses the word peace, 
you don't have to take three minutes out of the sermon to say, you know, the Greek word for this is this, yeah. and it means peace sometimes, and talk about all of that. You just use a translation that uses the word peace. And the reason for doing that is to have more time to talk about peace mm-hmm. in your heart and what that means. So that's why, that's why the use of multiple translations. And there's some good Greek and Hebrew study behind all of that. Yes. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with right now about what Bibles did you, you know, around this question that comes up a lot. What Bible should I read? What translation? Is there? Yeah. Anything around it that. It doesn't that matter what translation you choose if you don't read it. <laughs> so the, the, the key is setting up what works for you to let the word come into your, it's your daily bread. It's mm-hmm. your la- daily food. And I can't go without food for a week. Yeah. Uh, and then eat a whole bunch and then be okay. <laughs> I've got to find a way to get it into my life on a daily basis whether it's one verse or it's, a, it's, a, it's five or six verses as you read through a book, uh, whether you do devotions in your qua- car on your way to work or you do it somewhere in your house before you leave or right, right as you get to your work, right yep. before you go up the elevator, where is that place where you're going to let God's word get into your heart on a daily basis? Because that's the key. Mm-hmm. And once you start doing that, this question of translation isn't going to be quite so important. Really, the most important question is, how is God's word transforming my life, mm-hmm. changing my life? Now, if you choose a translation like King James or the old RSV, it'll be so confusing that you'll give up. <laughs> uh, most of us will. Yeah. But if you choose something like NIV or NLT or even ESV, which is more formal, yeah. um, all of those are, 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 script, are translations that you will benefit from on a daily basis. Love it. Well, thank you, Tom, for giving some encouragement and some insight in this. Always appreciate having you share with with our listeners for the podcast. So thank you, Tom. We appreciate yeah, your time. I love you all. Don't see you all, but love all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to something that Pastor Tom said that serves as a great doable next step. The best Bible for you is the one you'll read. <laughs> If you've been somebody who has struggled with knowing what translation or type of Bible to get, or you're interested in making a change from what you've had, read from a bunch of different translations and see what resonates with you. Maybe even sprinkle in a paraphrase or two. (laughs) I've put a link in the show notes to an article from BibleGateway.com that talks about Bible translation and includes a spectrum graphic for you to see where that organization, at least, places different translations on the word-for-word, thought-for-thought, paraphrase spectrum. I want to thank my guest today, Tom Holliday. My name is Jason Whelan, and this has been Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget... 
to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Mm-hmm.